and welcome to The Haunted Ride. I'm your host, Melissa, and thank you so much for joining me. So this episode is going to be about ghost stories. Woo-woo! Um, but before we get into that, I do have a couple things to talk to you guys about. Um, we are in the process of updating the logo for the show and the description. So I'm very excited about that. I will let you guys know when that is officially going to occur. But I'm super, super, super excited. The second thing is, um, okay, I binge watch the entire third season of Stranger Things today. I feel bad about it because I'm not a binge watch person. And also, I don't know, I felt like Stranger Things could have stopped after season one. It didn't have to keep going on, but there were so many things like I did want to see. So I was really excited that they like explored those things and went on with another season and now season three. But now that I've gotten to season three and I've finished the whole thing, all I can say is, fuck you, Netflix. That's all I can say. Basically, if you've never seen the show before, but you do enjoy things like the blob, zombies, spider-looking demons from hell, uh, or you have seen season one or season two, I do encourage you to give season three a try. It was, it was really great and I really liked it a lot. Which also explains why it took me, like, a, probably a good solid, like, ten hours or so, maybe a little more, to watch the whole show. Or watch the whole season. And the third thing is uh, I published my first book. It's called Broken Branches. And I am super excited that I did it. And I just am really excited, so I thought I would share it here, too. Apart from that, without further ado, we are going to listen to a promo, and then we will get into some fantastic ghost stories. I will see you guys soon. Hi there, I'm Logan. And I'm Lindsay. And we host the new podcast, Folklore on the Rocks, where we talk about folklore and lesser-known creatures, cryptids, and monsters from around the world. So when we say lesser-known, we mainly mean that we won't be covering creatures like Bigfoot or Nessie or Chupacabra, just because they're discussed so often, and the world just has so many other awesome options to draw from. Every two weeks, we will be diving deep into the legends and culture that surround a specific creature, and getting a little bit tipsy while we do so. But don't worry, we do our research sober. <laughs> On the weeks in between, we're going to be narrating and discussing folktales. Some will be historical folklore from the regions that our creatures are from, and some will be modern folklore, such as no sleeps and creepypastas. Ooh. You can find out more about us on our website, FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, on Facebook and Instagram at FolkloreOnTheRocks, on Twitter at FolkloreRocks! So grab a drink, join us, and come on, let's dig deep together. Okay, and we are back. So I hope you enjoyed our promo. So the first story is from the amazing Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. Emma and Dan host this podcast. They are hilarious. They do really great paranormal stories, paranormal topics. They can make you laugh and also scare the shit out of you simultaneously. So if that interests you, I encourage you to give them a try. So this story is actually from Emma. And it begins, 
I had a less than normal job when I was in college, that's for sure. I worked in a care home for adults with intellectual disabilities. The words care home conjure images of sensory gardens, plush cushions, and frames pictures of scenic mountains, but this unfortunately was not the case. While I was there, the residents were given the best of care and have all since moved out of the wing of the building I worked in to lovely houses. The building was first opened as the Maryborough Lunatic Asylum in 1832. Okay, so I already have some things about this because, uh, as we know, typically in history, mental health uh, or mental disabilities were not truly taken care of in a humane manner all the time. Whether people meant to do handle it that way or not. And so typically those places, especially if they are haunted, do tend to be really sad and be very dark and oppressive. And so Emma goes on to say, in these times, little was known about mental health and how to treat it. Patients at this time were ill-treated by, mostly, well-meaning carers. See? My point exactly. It was once said to me that you can feel the sadness seeping from the walls in the building, and this was definitely true. Oh no. It just looked ominous. It's funny though. What you get used to, and I got incredibly used to the daily routine in the building that the residents called home. There were many stories about hauntings in the building. Footsteps were said to be heard at nighttime in the empty upper floors. Furniture was said to move around at night. And there was at one point in the recent past, a priest drafted in to bless the building. Ooh, so that means it was, apparently, pretty serious. It seemed like the perfect place for ghosts galore, but I never had an experience, apart from sudden feelings of dread or fear in certain parts of the building. Oh, okay. Yep, that's... I see why they brought the priest in. Until my fourth year working there. It was a bank holiday weekend, and it was bitterly cold. I was having a cigarette on my break and was leaning against the wall outside with the three-story red brick building looming over me. It was for all the world like an outdoor corridor, and as I smoked, I looked up. My eyes locked with a woman who was standing in the middle, third-floor window. It must have been for a maximum of two seconds, but I can remember feeling my stomach flip. She drifted, I kid you not, drifted, away from the window, and I carried on smoking, trying to digest what I had seen. Emma is a fucking amazing person. (laughs) There was a girl with me who suddenly, frantically began looking for her keys to get back into the building in a panic. She had seen her too. My first initial reaction was not to scream to the masses, I've seen a ghost! But rather, I decided to get security and check the building to make sure no one was inside. There was no one inside. The building was code-locked, empty, and very much armed on account of the bank holiday. It was only on hearing this information that my brain fully registered that the woman I had seen was wearing a white shift dress and her eyes were more like black shadows than formed features. Ah, fuck. Um... About a year later, I was telling a nurse about what I had seen, and he informed me that regularly, while I was working nights, would see a woman with black hair and a white dress out of the corner of his eye, running through the ward. He had managed to convince himself that it was merely a combination of tiredness and bad lighting. Difficult to know. Okay, so, um, yeah, see, you know, the whole sadness thing, and asylums, I don't know, it just, anytime I think of those places, it just automatically makes me sad. A mental hospital or a mental facility, like, that's tough. That's really tough. And especially, you know, the whole dread and fear thing doesn't surprise me at all because of the fact that 
you know, I talk a lot on the podcast of how I see, and I, I'm sure some people cringe every time I, I say these words, ghost or spirits. Now, there is a difference between the words. I tend to use them interchangeably with what feels best with me at that moment. But people do tend to think of ghosts as being human, dying, and moving on or eventually moving on, maybe coming back a little. Where spirits have more power, are able to travel more places, and have never moved on. And a spirit does not always mean that it's human. Uh, I don't I don't use words that way. It just depends on what I'm talking about and what feels best for me. But I do definitely feel like in the case of like those two definitions, kind of, what Emma saw was a spirit. I don't think she was a ghost. I don't think she's ever moved on or crossed over. I'm sure that uh, she may be afflicted by what happened there. Um, maybe probably was a patient and passed away on the property or could have passed away somewhere else, but just came back there because that's what she remembered the most. Um, and it doesn't mean it was a good memory. It could have been a traumatic memory. So, you know, I don't know what happened there at the asylum, but I'm not surprised about the emotions, the sadness, being ominous, the dread or fear, and other things are really attracted to places like that too. So it's also, I'm I'm really happy that like the residents that were there are no longer in that part of the building. Like I'm very happy that they're not there anymore and that they are in cute little lovely houses because I'm sure that energy, while they got used to it, just like Emma was saying, she got used to it. I mean, that's still a lot to get used to and it does still take time. Our next story is from Nina Terrible and I didn't say it earlier, but all of these stories are from social media, which if you follow us or would like to follow us on social media, our Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook are The Haunted Ride, and our Twitter is Haunted Ride. I typically don't accept stories on social media, mostly because I try to keep off of social media a lot. I'm typically really just on it for the podcast. And so uh, I more so appreciate talking to people in emails and things of that nature. But if someone wants to send in a story and they send it through social media, I mean, like, I'm not going to turn it away. Um, but it's also like, I never want to lose it. So that's part of why this whole episode is all stories that were given to me on social media. So this one is by someone named uh, Nina Terrible. And it starts off like this. It all started that name. I was awakened with the sense that someone or something was watching me. Terrified and not sure as to what I might find, I scanned the room with a fear so incredibly intense within me. It was then that I was introduced to the evil entity that will be tormenting me. Oh, that's lovely. Love when they make the introductions. The evil figure was sitting in the chair across the room. Its hair was a fiery red, and for the most part, it looked female. Her face was decomposed, and her eyes were colorless. As she smiled at me with her sharp teeth exposed, oh fuck, horror filled my soul as I witnessed saliva oozing from her decayed mouth. Reaching out into the air were claws, it beckoned me to come over. Let me explain something to you real quick. Oh fuck no. So here's my thing. If you are a guest in somebody's house, do not like tell them what the fuck to do. Do not tell somebody like, hey, come over here. Especially not, and li listen, if you are a ghost, which is, in, is clearly not a ghost, but if you are, let's say like you're the friendly neighborhood ghost, right? And you're just coming to say hello, do it when someone's not fucking sleeping. All I'm saying is like, don't interrupt that shit. Like I'm sure when you were alive, you didn't want to be interrupted when you were asleep. So like, you know, 
boundaries. Everybody has boundaries. And you know what my happy behind has boundaries against? Shit like this. Shit where someone turns around and they wake up in the middle of the night and they have this thing sitting across from them that's terrifying. And then the thing has the audacity to then be like, oh, come over here, honey. No, no. How about you get the fuck out? No, get out. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Nina goes on to say, I was terror-stricken, I would be too. And the last thing I remember is my head falling into my pillow. I had fainted. Now I'm going to pause here for a second. So another podcast um, that does ghost stories is Real Ghost Stories Online. They've been around for years. And um, Tony and Jenny are the hosts, typically. And they have read many of stories. And I think the first story I shared on here too, the same thing happened where somebody will have a paranormal thing. And then they will be able to fall asleep. And it's like, typically, if you have all that adrenaline rushing through you, I mean, yes, you will crash, but not like in a matter of minutes where you can then go back to sleep. Like, that almost rather confirms the fact that it's paranormal than I wish would make people feel like, oh, wait, maybe you have a streaming. Because like, if you're awake and you can move around and stuff, like, I definitely understand how if something wakes you up and you're still like in a sort of dreamy state and groggy state, even though you're awake, that it could feel that way. But I do wish that that was like a little more wild, wildly known that that does occur in paranormal instances. In my personal opinion, I do agree with Tony and Chenny. That can be a very clear sign that something was paranormal. Because it's strange that you would just magically fall asleep afterwards and be okay. Like, that's just weird to me. It was weird to me when it happened to me. Um... So to continue on with the story, it says, I woke up the next day confused and horrified. I couldn't determine if it had really happened or if it was just a vivid nightmare. I was only nine years old then, but I now know that's when it all started. I kept the experience all bottled up and decided to tell my younger cousin a few days later. My cousin, whom was Catholic, became frightened for me and suggested that we pray for guidance and protection. We said a few prayers. I felt a sense of relief, but that only lasted for a short period of time. I woke up the next day feeling sick. I couldn't eat. It was as if this thing wouldn't allow me to swallow. Being older now, I know that this entity was trying to attach itself to me, which I will discuss in a moment when we finish the story. A week went by and still no change. My grandmother started noticing that I wasn't eating and began anointing me with holy water as she prayed over me, hoping to cure my illness. Thankfully, the next day I felt better and was able to eat again, but that experience would last a lifetime. I don't like that story. I also find it very interesting that upon telling this story, everyone immediately was like, oh shit, it's a demon, let's get it out. Here's why I find that interesting. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the figure that they described does sound very negative, and I would not be, and it would not be out of the realm for me to say it was probably a demon. I mean, with the way that it was being described, if nothing else, it was definitely an entity that was taking on a form that would terrify this child in order to cause them chaos. And really, for me, what makes it feel like it was that that powerful and, and actually like an extremely negative entity wasn't even just the form. It was the fact that she felt this thing was oppressing her from eating. The only reason why anything would ever do that to you is to weaken you, to then oppress you. Or I don't even really think it would just be an attachment because I think if that's the case, I think that 
I think it was just trying to attach itself to her, it could, and it was that strong and powerful to oppress her. I think it could have taken on a very different form and figured out how to do that. I think that it was oppressing her in order to take her over, personally. And I'm really happy that her family was all like, oh, fuck that shit, you know, pulled out what they believed in and went to work. But the reason why I find this interesting is because most of the time, people don't believe children when they say they've seen something, unless they've already seen it. Typically, unless you just have a really caring family, or um, they've gone through something like that before, they don't believe the child right away. Normally, they would say, yeah, it's just a nightmare, like it's fine, or something like that. So first off, I'm really happy they believed her. But second off, I also sort of feel like maybe they sort of knew something that she didn't. And quite possibly still doesn't know. I mean, I don't know her family. I'm just saying that from like a human perspective. That's, that's a really difficult thing to be able to picture, is my point. And so for someone to immediately jump in and be like, okay, let's get to work with praying. Let's get to work with holy water. There has to be a reason behind that. But I'm so happy that they did, and I hope that it never bothered her again. But it does sort of sound like she was saying that this was the first time it started tormenting her. So I hope that it stopped. But with that as well, normally when children have paranormal experiences so young, it leaves them open to the world of the paranormal as they get older. And sometimes that does fade off and close, but it doesn't take much for it to open back up. I do hope that if she has had any other experiences, they haven't been that horrible or that bad. And um, that she's just, you know, taking care of herself and being safe and protecting herself and knows how to protect herself um, from things like that if she can or, you know, just takes care when she's in situations. Because I wouldn't be all that surprised if things just saw her light a little brighter than perhaps others. So our last story comes from somebody on Instagram. I'm not going to read their username just in case they don't want it to be known, but I, I, you know, I never want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. So it's called RIP Rod. During an eight hour round trip to visit family, we had just left for our trip home in heavy wind and rain. As I turned onto the freeway, I had a vision of a gray silver utility truck crossing through the trees from the northbound lanes onto the southbound lanes into oncoming traffic. The sole occupant did not survive. I am a precog dreamer and psychic, although my dreams and visions are usually within a 24 to 48 hour bracket. I take them seriously. So I love the fact that she knows how her gifts work. I, I really, I really love that because that's extremely important whenever you are getting messages or speaking with people um, or, you know, especially people who've passed or entities or things like that to be able to know how your gifts work with you. That's, that's incredible. A lot of people don't know that or have trouble finding it out. So she goes on to say, I turned to a close friend who was traveling with us and told her what I saw. However, I did not have time to dwell as getting my family home safe and this bad weather was my top priority. Three hours later, my kids needed a bathroom break. So I pulled off the freeway to a place called Fig Tree. Bathroom break over, I head back onto the 100 kilometer per hour freeway. Only an hour left and we'll be home safe and sound. Within the next 100 meters or so, traffic came to a standstill. Roadworks, I thought. 
As we came closer, we started to see red and blue flashing lights of emergency services. That's when I saw it, a silver Toyota Hilux utility, somewhere between telling my kids 8, 10, and 12 to put their heads down to see as least of the horror as possible, and my friend's look of dread that my vision had come to pass. I experienced the worst chest thud, like someone had dropped a bowling ball on my chest and searing heat radiating from my head to chest level. We drove home in silence. Once home, I was satisfied that the boys had not seen the entirety of the accident. I put them in the bed and tried to come to terms with what had occurred. The next few days were a nightmare. I could eat or sleep, but now I had what I thought was a migraine, on top of the chest and heat sensation, not to mention a feeling of dragging and heaviness weighing so badly on me. Talking to a light worker friend of mine in Boston, he suggested that given the vision I had earlier that day, it was a big possibility that I had already formed a connection with this man before he was killed, and the ailments that followed may be a spirit manifestation. Shocked and scared, I had never considered something like this before, but trusted him all the same. It was the only thing that made sense. Sitting out to rid myself of debilitating negative energy with my friend's guidance and help, I attempted to rid myself of what had now made itself right at home in my life through dreams and thoughts that could have never been my own. Finally, I couldn't bear it anymore and left it in the hands of my friend and the universe. It was horrible. All in all, I would say that he was in my life for two weeks, but I will never, ever forget that experience and since learned to better protect myself against the spirit world. Every time I pass the site of Rod's crash, I always say a little something to the man I never knew in life, but indeed knew in death. So let's talk about that, folks. So here's the thing. I know how that feels. I know how it feels when even someone alive has enough energy in them that you feel it too. You feel their affliction. You feel what's hurting them. And it sucks. And I don't know if it actually causes the same pain and ailments on your body. I do know, however, that it contributes to a lot of stress. It's, a, it's very physically, mentally, and spiritually taxing. And so I hate that she went through that, especially on her way home with her kids. I've definitely had visions of things while I was driving. I've talked to you guys about a couple of them. And I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that occurred. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I can say that. I think it would depend on the person and how they're feeling. But if it would almost be helpful to know that, oh, well, what you saw did happen versus wondering. For me, if I really need to know, I know that that information would come to me eventually or just Google it and find out. But I hate that she went through that. And if a spirit decides to like stay with you because you can, f because it knows you can feel what's going on, I do think that that's really hard. It's just extremely hard. And I'm just happy that she had a light worker friend of hers who was able to help her through it. So those are the stories that I have for you guys today. I hope you like them. In our normal business, if you would like to send in your story, please submit it to thehauntedred at gmail.com or go to thehauntedred.com and click the send us your story link. Um, we've talked about social media already. We're also on Patreon at The Haunted Red, where we have two different tiers, a $2 and a $5 tier. $2 tier gets deleted segments and a bunch of other stuff, and the $5 tier gets bonus episodes. That's really the only difference between the two. We also have the Paranormal Advice and Spiritual Guidance Service on the website. And um, we have a YouTube channel and a Facebook group. We are currently in Mercury retrograde, so just take care of yourselves and be careful. 
and just understand that like this is a time where a lot of people feel there's a lot of negative things that are going on and just try to find the positive in every negative thing and understand that there's something there for you. It's not there to ruin your day. It's there to help show you something. So let's talk about the thing that I learned this week. It's really funny because I've been seeing it everywhere. And we actually talked a little bit about it last week. But I think I told you guys, like, I was a little concerned because I was getting annoyed. And it was staying with me a little bit longer than I typically would have liked. I also was listening to Empaths Alchemy, which if you've never heard that show, like, I really urge you guys to listen to it. Rebecca is a great podcaster. She's a great person. She's also an author. We actually had an interview, which will be up, I think, probably closer to the end of this month, which was hilarious. But she has so much good insight, and she's just such a good soul. But she was even talking about anger, too. And she said something that was really important. It reminded me that I needed to share this on this podcast. So thanks, Rebecca, for being amazing and awesome, as always. So... Sometimes when you talk to someone who's working with their spiritual self and very deeply into spirituality or considers himself a spiritualist, they may say things like, oh, it's bad for you to get angry. Now, I've never said this on the podcast, but I have said to you guys that I process my anger differently than I used to. Meaning that when I, whenever I feel any sort of emotion, I ask myself, where is it coming from? Like, I really sit down and I give myself time and space to figure out why am I feeling something so that it doesn't become overwhelming and it doesn't turn into something else or affect something else or, you know, ruin anything in my day or things like that. I'm really good with whatever bothers me. I keep that emotion towards that subject. But if that subject comes up like 20 times, then I don't think that that emotion should come up 20 times for that subject as well. Like, I don't, I don't think that's right for me. That's just how I've grown and, and what's changed for me um, versus how I used to be. That's it. But lately, I've been annoyed. And I've noticed what actually annoys me is that I now understand when someone is crossing my boundary. And they're crossing it. It's not like a hidden boundary. It's something that would bother them if I did it to them. And it's that like, oh, well, I can do it to you, but you can't do it to me mentality that annoys the crap out of me. It really does. Because it's like, okay, if you wouldn't like it, then why are you doing it to me? Why, are you, why would you do it to anybody? Why not just instead be a normal human being or talk about it or something like that? Like apologizing doesn't mean that like you're wrong or the other person's wrong. It means that you care enough about the fact that they actually have a feeling and that you may have caused a negative feeling in them. And for that, you feel like it's warranted an apology. You can still have an argument. You, still, you can still be angry. That doesn't take that away. But you can still apologize. So I think it's better to have a conversation and talk about what's bothering you than to be vindictive and try to hurt someone, especially when they're not around, thinking they won't find out. So I had someone do that to me recently. They were, it was just, you know, the whole you walk into a room and you know everyone's been talking about you. And I'm like, really? And I knew exactly what it was about. I knew, I knew who said what. Like I just walked and I knew. And I also had known that this was going to happen. And I'd known it for like two months prior that eventually we'd get to this point. And I had done everything I could think of to try and prevent it from getting there. But there are just some things that are going to happen no matter what. And there's only so much that you can do 
or only so much that you can control. You can only really control yourself and how you react to something. And so I wasn't even upset really about that. I was mostly, I mostly just became very strict about it or kind of cold because I, I knew that wasn't all there was to it. And so, as per usual, a couple seconds later, the person then begins to do that thing when someone feels guilty about something they've done or said about you. And so they suck up to you. The thing is, again, they have no idea that I have any sort of ability or that I have any idea of what went on. I, haven't, I hadn't even spoken to that person about it, and I wasn't planning to. That's just what it was, and I accepted that. But the, like, oh, I feel so guilty, so let me be extra nice to this person, that fake niceness, that's what annoyed me. That's what crossed my boundary. And so I just have come to the realization through this process and through this experience and everything that occurred that just because I feel annoyance or anger or stays with me or affects me more or that I feel it more, it doesn't mean that I've taken any steps back. That was the other thing too, is I was sitting there, I was like, man, like I did all this work and I was doing really good and I processed anger and negative emotions differently than I used to. I let them go differently. I was able to find that meaning and the lesson and whatever was going on more easily for myself. And so to then like sit back and be like, man, like, why am I getting annoyed? Like, what's going on with that? Like, what's up? Like, it it does make you kind of think, wait, did I take a couple steps back today? Like, am I like falling a little bit back from like this really amazing happy place that I was just in? Like, what's going on? Especially if it took so long for you to get to that happy place. It's really, it's, it's really scary and jarring and kind of like, well, fuck, like what's going on with me? Like, do I need to meditate more? Like, you, you know, it's easy to like go into those, those thought processes. And the thing is, we are all just Rubik's cubes. Now, I don't know how to solve a Rubik's cube. I don't. But I watch people solve them and I've watched the YouTube videos and I've noticed that they always do this thing, right? So they're sitting there and they're doing it and you're like, oh my God, they're doing it so fast and oh my goodness, like they're going to solve it and this is amazing. And they get to this one point where they turn the whole thing around and you're like, why are you doing that? You had everything figured out. Like it's always, if you ever notice, it's always a forward motion a couple times and then a couple times back. And normally they'll do this whole big, like, everything will be backwards. And you're like, oh my God, they just messed up the whole puzzle. Like, are they about to start over? And then boom, three more moves, the whole thing solved. And you're like, what the fuck? And that's our lives. We can take steps back down the road we were going on. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean we failed. It doesn't mean we faltered. It doesn't mean we have more or less work to do. But there are numerous different paths on this journey in our life. And sometimes we need to take a couple steps back and choose a different path in order to get to those goals, get to those successes, get to that fulfillment that we need. And we're still going to get that lesson. Taking a couple steps back sometimes means that you take a second to heal from whatever pushed you back. You take a second to learn something about yourself and learn something about what affects you so that when you take that side path, 
and you go down that road, you understand more. You get through the, the bush and, and all the twigs and the rocks and over the hurdles faster because you had something knock you back for a second. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I want all of you to know that. So if you're getting annoyed right now, hey, it's okay. Deal, just all I ask and all I want you to focus on is deal with that annoyance. Figure out what's causing it in you and figure out what it means for you. Have you learned something new about yourself? Is it a new pet peeve that you have? Have you not dealt with some sort of trauma that affected you in the past and this is bringing it up for you over and over again? Are you too stressed? Do you need to take a breather and take a second for yourself and for your life and to appreciate all the sweetness and joy that's in your life? Ask yourselves those questions. It's okay to. So that's what I learned and that's what I wanted to share with you guys. I hope that you liked the episode. Take care of yourself. Love yourself and love others. Have a good day and have a good night. And as we always like to say, don't let the ghost get you. Bye.